0: Hare Krishna. A very warm welcome to all of you for joining us again today for this Bhagavad Gita study circle. So, since last one year, we have been discussing Bhagavad Gita verse after verse. And uh, we have completed three chapters. The very first chapter, when uh, we saw that Arjuna was confused about his duties, it is called observing the armies on the battlefield. Prabhupada titled it, titled it like that. And then we saw there are some very interesting uh, questions and uh, very uh, profound arguments Arjuna puts forward in front of Krishna as to why he doesn't want to fight. And then as a result of those questions, we also saw that how Krishna very beautifully explained in the second chapter about the Atma Jnana, about what is the self, what are the characteristics of the self, And uh, many more things like that. And uh, in the third chapter, which was titled as Karma Yoga, so in Karma Yoga, there were uh, again a lot of interesting concepts that we discussed about yagna, about the qualities of leader, about Varna Sankara. We have discussed a little bit. Then we also understood the karma, the yagna cycle, and just before. Krishna ended chapter 3, the karma yoga, he very beautifully explained the 3 very uh, possible ways where the enemy sits, the positions where the enemy sits, that's the senses, the mind and the intelligence. He very clearly explained that the greatest enemy that we all can have is our own lust. So many a times it so happens that we don't really understand that who is our enemy many people till date they think that their enemy is external but the real enemy is within who actually um, instigates each one of them and there are so many problems in this world because of that enemy called karma lust so after listening to this whole uh, karma yoga section and the portion now arjuna must be thinking that okay Krishna all right you have said so many things about karma yoga but is this knowledge uh, something you spoke spontaneously is it that you spoke this uh, on the go that because I'm here on the battlefield that's not the case it's not that Krishna has spoken this knowledge for the first time he has spoken it previously also and that's what Four and then let's uh, begin our file. I will share the slokas. So all right so just give me a moment yeah great so let's begin let's uh, start our study of bhagavad gita today with the invocation prayers like we do every sunday again i dedicate this uh, session to my beloved spiritual master his divine grace ac bhaktivedanta swami Prabhupada, who is the founder acharya of his read and understand bhagavad-gita discuss bhagavad-gita through his words that he has written in bhagavad-gita as it is so kindly join your palms and please repeat after me the pranam mantra nama om vishnupadaya Bhakti bhutale Namaste Saraswate नमस्ते सरस्वती Pracharine, और वाणी yayashri krishna chaitanya prabhu nitya ananda viadvait gadadhara vivasadi gouna bhakta namo mahavadanyaya krishna prema Krishna, Krishna Chaitanya Namne Guru Kvishena Maha Kamu Brahman Devaya Ubrahmana Hitayacha. Jagad-dhita-ya-kriṣṇāya krisnaya govindaya de krisna karuna-sindho De-nabandho-jagad-pate Gopiṣa-gopika-kānta लदातन नमोस्तुते दप्त गौरांगी देवी Pancha kalpatalubhyasya vipasindhubhyaye vacha pati tanam pavane bhyo. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna. So wonderful. So let me switch my screen and uh, yes. So like I mentioned earlier that we have already covered few very very interesting chapters and uh, we are right now in chapter 4 Transcendental Knowledge. So this chapter is called Jnana Yoga like I mentioned earlier that we have this whole Bhagavad Gita called as it is referred as the Yoga Shastra it is A scriptural, a wonderful scripture which is all about yoga. All the 18 chapters which are mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita are related to yoga. Why? Because each and every chapter, the ultimate intention is to connect ourselves with the Supreme Lord and that is Krishna. So, here interestingly, in chapter 4, Krishna is going to highlight. The importance of Jnana Yoga. So in the previous chapter, he has explained about Karma Yoga. And what is Karma Kanda, Karma Yoga, we have understood in detail. But here in this chapter 4, he is going to stress as to how knowledge, the spiritual knowledge, Adhyatmic Jnana is so very important. And creates a wonderful foundation for our spiritual growth. So without Jnana... We will, can, we will not be able to understand the principle, the tatwa of our existence and about the existence of God and our relationship with God. So that's why the Gnana Jnana is extremely important. And that is what Krishna is going to mention here. He is going to stress this point that how Tattva Jnana is a foundation for all of us for spiritual growth. So. I welcome everyone here on YouTube, also all the audience and you can please say Hare Krishna and make your presence felt and my devotee devotees here on stream and also who have joined us here. So very nice and uh, glad to have you all. So when we say Transcendental Knowledge, the title is Transcendental Knowledge. Like in the previous session also we had discussed what is Transcendental? Transcendental means anything above and beyond the three modes Sattva, Rajas and tamas, or anything above and beyond the material nature is called transcendental. So this spiritual knowledge, this adhyatmic jnana is above and beyond the material realms, the material influence. So this jnana that we are going to get, is not an ordinary jnana. One reason is because Krishna, the supreme person who himself is beyond the three modes is speaking this knowledge. Krishna is transcendental and anything that he speaks, anything that comes out of his mouth is also transcendental. So here Krishna is going to explain to us that what is this transcendental knowledge. So, Sri Bhagawan Uacha, Sri Imam Vivaswate Yogam, Imam Vivaswate Yogam, Vivaswan Manurik Shwaka Webrave. Manurik Shwaka Once again, Viva the Uvacha. Viva Uvacha. Imam Viva Yogam. You were Yogam. Broke the one hum of Vyam. Broke Manave Braha. Manu Wonderful. Please repeat the translation. I think you can read it by yourself. We can all listen to your... The, the blessed Lord said, I instructed this imp- imperishable sense of yoga to the sun god Vivasan and Vivasan instructed it to Manu, the father of mankind and Manu in turn instructed to uh, it to, uh, Thank you so much. You can mute yourself. Thank you very much. So, a very interesting shloka. So here Krishna is saying, Sri Bhagavan Uwacha, Imam Vivasvate Yogam. So, no. Vivaswan Imam Vivasvate. So who is this Vivaswan? Let us understand, so we have many misconceptions about the universe because we are reading it from the scientific books that we have studied in our school. So here we are going to break some of the myths that we have carried. So Viviswan is the Sun God. Now you must be wondering, oh, what is this? There is something called a Sun God also. Yes, there is sun god. Each planet is actually governed and ruled by a personality. This is unknown to modern science. Many scientists, they believe that sun is actually a star. We all have studied that sun is a star. But according to the Vedic scripture, the Vedic cosmology, sun is not a star. It is not a nakshatra. It is a graha. It is one of the planet. And this planet is actually governed by Sun God. And the name of this Sun God is Vivaswan. Just seeing. So this knowledge, Krishna is saying, I first spoke this knowledge to Vivaswan. So if Arjuna was thinking that, oh, it's maybe spontaneous that Krishna is speaking this knowledge Karma Yoga on the battlefield. No, 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 no. It is not like that. So to clarify that doubt, here Krishna is specifically saying that I spoke this knowledge first to Vivasvan, who is the sun god. Now you can imagine how old is this knowledge. This karma yoga is not an ordinary knowledge. This knowledge was spoken way beyond since the time the sun was created. Now very interestingly, now you see sun is one who gives us heat and light. Now, light is many times referred to as knowledge also, right? So, knowledge and light, they are sometimes used in the, as, in the same phrases. Because wherever there is light, there is knowledge. So, that's why we say, Om Ajnana Timirandasya, Gnanan Janashyalataya, Chakshurun Militamena Tasmay Shri Guru Maha. So, Om Ajnana Timirandasya, that Timirandasya, that ignorance, darkness, will be removed with jnana the divya jnana so krishna has spoken this way beyond to Vivaswan. so in the purusha Sukta, also it is very nicely said that how so surya, surya is actually chakshu chakshu means the eye of the lord is the sun So, once when Prabhupada was walking on the beach with the morning, you know, with his devotees, with his disciples. So, on the morning walk, so the sun was rising very beautifully. And then all the disciples told that, uh, oh, Prabhupada, see the sun is rising so beautifully. They could see it on the horizon. And Prabhupada said, yes, this is actually the eye of Krishna. Actually, the sun represents the eye of Krishna. So this knowledge was spoken to Vivasvan, who is actually the sun god. So now this, you can imagine how old is this knowledge. It is close to about, as per the calculation that Prabhupada has mentioned in the purport, it is about 12 crores, 4 lakh years, approximately. So this knowledge was spoken to sun god about 12 crores. 12 crore. Uh, four lakh years. That's what the number Prabhupada is given in the purport. It's quite big number. So many years ago, this knowledge was spoken. Now, Krishna is also saying, aham This knowledge is Avyayam. Avyayam means imperishable. This knowledge cannot be destroyed. This is absolute knowledge. It is the knowledge which will not change. It is not like something we we tell today and tomorrow is going to change. No. This is Avvayam knowledge. This knowledge cannot be destroyed at any point of time. Divya Jnana is again transcendental. It is beyond the effect of time. So that is why this knowledge cannot be destroyed. So that's why very interesting word Avvayam. It cannot be destroyed. Vivasvān manave prahaha. So here, Krishna is saying that once I gave this knowledge to Vivasvān, he in turn gave this knowledge to his son Manu. Now, Manu is a position. Manu is a position. Can anyone guess? Can anyone guess who is the current Manu? Many times when you go to the temples and you do the sankalpa, and you keep your hands on the Sankalpa plate, which is filled with the flowers. You know, the Kujari, he will also ask you your Gotra and uh, your Nakshatra. At the same time, he will also ask which Manu. Yes, here Hina Mataji, she is right. She is the first one to give the right answer. So, she deserves a applause here. Very nice. Thank you, Mataji. So, it is Vaivasvata Manu. So, the son of Vaivaswan is Vaivaswatamanu. Manu. His actual name is also called Shraddha Deva. In the Bhagavatam, his uh, real name, or another name of uh, this Manu is also Shraddha Deva. But since he is the son of Vivaswan, his name is Vaivasvata Manu. So in the day of Brahma, which is about 12 hours, in the span of 12 hours of Brahma, there are 14 Manus. And Vaivaswatamanu. Manu is actually the seventh Manu. So we are right now ruled or governed by Vaivasvata Manu. We are in the time frame of Vaivasvata Manu. So this knowledge, which was spoken to Vivaswan, he in turn spoke it to Manu, and Manu is also called as the father of mankind. You know, if you go to Manu uh, Samhita, so the word man, English word man, is also derived from Manu. So, we are all descendants of this Manu. So, now, Manu, in turn, he gave this knowledge to his son, Ikshivaku. So, Manur Ikshivakave, Praveet. It is said that Ikshivaku, Ikshivaku king is actually the king of the Surya dynasty or the Sola dynasty. The We have Chandravamsha and Suryavamsha. So, the king... Of Ikshvaku, this uh, Surya Vamsha is Ikshvaku. That's why even Lord Rama, he is considered to be the descendant of Ikshvaku. He is the 67th king in the Surya Sampradaya or the Surya Vamsha. So now, Manur Ikshvakuve Bravid. So Ikshvaku is the grandson of Vivaswan. So this is very nicely understood by all of us. So interestingly now. This knowledge, which is Avvayam, it is imperishable was nicely handed over from one person to another person. This is how the knowledge transfer was happening. Now, it's very clear to us that uh, the beginning of human beings was since time immemorial. So this very clearly defeats the bogus theory of Darwin. Now, we have all understood the Darwin's uh, evolutionary theory. So, here with this shloka, Krishna is smashing the bogus Darwin's theory. Now, Darwin was thinking that he told, this Darwin told that life evolved because of some chemical combination, you see. He told that, okay, there are some chemicals which came together. There was some that material chemical soup and there was environment which was created. And that is how the life evolved. But here, Krishna is saying that. Nothing like that of that kind of uh, thing has happened. Here Krishna is saying that all the 84 lakh species which are mentioned in scriptures were simultaneously created and were simultaneously existing. It's not that one thing evolved to another. You know it is Darwin's theory is so stupid like it is like saying that you know there was a 2 BHK home which converted itself or transformed itself into a 3-BHK and then that 3-BHK became a Villa and then that Villa became into a Bungalow. Is it possible like that? Nothing of that sort will ever happen. You know, all this, a 2-BHK will never become 3-BHK and then a Villa or a Bungalow. So similarly, it's not that one species became another species. All the species were simultaneously existing just like 2-BHK, 3-BHK, Villa and a Bungalow an apartment all of them are simultaneously existing but it depends on how much currency how much rent can you pay how much money do you have right so based on that you will occupy whether it's a 2 bhk or a 3 bhk based on your currency so similarly you can occupy a certain body out of 84 lakh species based on your karma currency so based on whatever karma punya, papa, all those things you have over period of time of lifetimes that will give you a certain type of body so here Krishna is very interestingly nicely saying that all of these wonderful knowledge was already given to the Sun God it is not a new knowledge and that's how we it becomes very clear to us that this bogus Darwin's theory of evolution is matched very nicely because all the 84 lakh species we simultaneously existing. So very interestingly, one more important thing or word that Krishna uses in this verse is that here Prabhupada is saying in the purport, the role of the king. Prabhupada is mentioning in the purport very nicely that human life is meant for cultivation of spiritual knowledge in eternal relationship with the supreme personality of Godhead. And the executive heads of all states and all planets are obliged to impart this lesson to the citizens by education, culture, and devotion. So nice, so beautifully, Prabhupada is explaining this. Just see. So, Prabhupada is saying that all the executive heads, the leaders of the society, the kings, are supposed to actually. Pass on this knowledge to the descendants, to the Praja. So this is the role of a king. A very important role of a king. But that, unfortunately, we don't find in today's world. Kings are the influencers, right? In the previous chapter, we had come across a very wonderful shloka. Yad yad shreshtas, tat tat All the praja, the common man follows the leaders. So, Prabhupada is explaining again the stress, stressing upon the point that how this knowledge was actually given to very intellig- intelligent people and influencing, influencing people, very influential people, like the kings. So, this knowledge, although we do not discriminate, But still, this knowledge was given to kings because they are the one who can influence people. If you see Buddhism, Buddhism was not very great or very popular when Buddha came and uh, he started this Buddhism. No, Buddhism became very famous only when Siddhartha, he took it up very seriously. And then later on, as a king, when Ashoka, he propagated this knowledge to everyone and Buddhism became very popular. Even Christianity after Christ, it is not that immediately Christianity spread. It's only when the Roman king, he took it up very seriously. Christianity, adopted Christianity and that's when the whole Christianity spread across the world. Even just about 500 years ago, we saw that how when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was personally present, there was this King of uh, Odisha, this Prataprudra, King Prataprudra. He was a very ardent devotee of uh, Lord Chaitanya. And he became a Vaishnava and through his influence, he could spread this knowledge to all the people, his Praja. In fact, uh, if you go to Manipur, Manipur is considered to be the Vaishnava state. You know why it is Vaishnava state? Even now, if you go to Manipur, you will see people, the common man wearing tilak and most of them wearing dhoti and kurta. And they constantly have evening programs where they discuss about Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. Manipur is actually a Vaishnava state. And how it all became possible? It's because the king of Manipur, the disciples, the disciples of one of the Goswami, Jeeva Goswami, when he went to Assam and he preached this Krishna consciousness, the king got so much influence with this knowledge that he converted all his Praja. And today, that's why we see, if you step into Manipur, you will see so many Vaishnavas there, especially that Assam region. And if you go to Manipur, most of them are all Vaishnavas. It's because of the king. So that's the influence that the kings have. So, it's very important we give this knowledge to the leaders of the society. In fact, Prabhupada also was very uh, happy to meet the leaders of the society. If you see majority of his conversations and room meetings, if you see so many leaders used to come and meet Prabhupada and anytime a disciple gets a leader of the society, Prabhupada was very happy because Prabhupada although he started this movement with the hippies, now there is no discrimination. But still, Prabhupada was not limiting only to hippies because Prabhupada also never wanted this knowledge to be only limited to the hippies. Now it's good that hippies came and they joined the movement, but Prabhupada also was looking at intellectual people, the influential people, because this knowledge is a very great knowledge. Prabhupada Krishna explains in the ninth chapter, Rajavidya, Rajaguyam. This is Rajavidya. It's a king of knowledge. And kings rightly deserve to know Bhagavad Gita. In fact, I was very happy today, this morning, when I was uh, just uh, going through the news. I heard that there are some satellites which are launched recently. And uh, Bhagavad Gita is going to be digitalized and made available to many people. So, just this morning, I got this uh, uh, news. When my father was looking at the TV channel, I just overheard that uh, Bhagavad Gita is going to be digitalized so that's very interesting and wonderful you see so now this um, preaching when we preach when we speak this uh, Bhagavad Gita it's important as preachers we also give this knowledge to some intellectual peoples because they can understand not just understand they can apply this knowledge and then they also influence others so This Bhagavad Gita study, although it is for your self-knowledge, you are developing yourself and becoming pure by understanding this knowledge. But I personally expect all of you to start speaking this Bhagavad Gita to your friends and to your relatives. Because then you will become expert in applying this knowledge very easily. And you will also please Krishna. Because Krishna in the 18th chapter is going to explain and he's going to say that... Anybody who preaches this message of Bhagavad Gita is very dear to me. Now, what more can we do? You know, it's so simple. If we want to please Krishna, just speak Bhagavad Gita to your friends and relatives. That's amazing. You see. So, this is a great opportunity for all of us. Understand, read and then give it to others. Understand, read and give it to others. So, wonderful. And especially, you're all in a... Your own capacity. You are all leaders to some extent. You all have your family and friends. Today I am here in my sister's place. And they are all listening to this Bhagavad Gita session. So they are also doing some Shravadam. They have got this opportunity to understand a little bit of Bhagavad Gita. You see. So this is a very interesting thing. You will also enjoy and start adopting this knowledge. Right. So this is what Krishna is explaining here. And uh, by the way, we should not... uh, Just to clarify, we should not think that, oh, is it only meant for the uh, intellectuals and influencing people? No, it's not true. Vedic knowledge is for everyone, irrespective of his uh, caste, creed, his color. It really doesn't matter. It is independent of all these things. But uh, many people, uh, they also have this notion, you see. They think that, oh, iskcon means uh, it's only for... Uh, people who are educated or people who are uh, uh, financially good or they are very influential, <laughs> you know, people have some misconceptions like that. <laughs> you know, in no ISKCON temple you will see anybody or the security guard holding a board and saying that only those who are educated, only those who have some, you know, graduation certificate, you are allowed, arrest rest are not allowed, No, nothing of that sort. But yes, we... Consciously make an effort to reach out to the intellectual people like all of you is because If you can take it, you can tell it to 10 more people Not everybody will have this capacity to speak about Bhagavad Gita But there are many people who can take prasadam who can sing and chant and dance and they can still get the same benefit They can do archa vikraha and still get the same benefit but When it comes to knowledge, especially philosophical knowledge, it requires a certain intellectual thinking. So that's why we take certain approaches where we can reach out to more intellectual people. That's the only thing. So this is what Krishna has explained in this particular uh, shloka chapter of chapter 4, shloka 1. And there are many more beautiful things. I really want all of you to read the purports of uh, Prabhupada uh, in this uh, chapter. So that you also get a better understanding of what is being discussed here. So with this, let's go to the next shloka. And uh, I request Vinoji to unmute yourself and uh, you can chant the shloka. Vinodji, and let me display the shloka to you. Alright, very nice. So here we go. <coughs> EVAM PARAMPARA PRAAPTAM
1: EVAM PARAMPARA PRAAPTAM
0: EVAM RAJAR SHAYO BIDUHU
1: EVAM RAJAR SHAYO BIDUHU
0: SAKALENEHA MAHATAM YOGO NASHTAP
1: Yogo Parantapa. Wonderful. Once again, Evam Parampara Praptum. Evam Parampara Praptum.
0: Ivam Raja Shayobidu.
1: Ivam Raja Shayudu.
0: Sakale Nahamahata. Sakale Yogo
1: Nasta Parantapa. Yogo, parantapa. Yogo Parampata.
0: Once again. You, yeah Deegan, You please read the translation by yourself.
1: Yeah, this supreme science was thus received through the chain of disciple succession and the saintly kings understood it in that way. But in course of time the succession was broken and therefore the science as it appears to be lost.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great. So this is also a very interesting shloka and a very important shloka. Now, there are many many beautiful points which are explained in this. Evam parampara praptam So, Krishna is saying that although I gave this knowledge to Vivaswan and then he gave it to Manu and then he gave it to Ikshvaku but in the due course of time by the force of time this knowledge was it was scattered this knowledge was scattered to the extent where the intent was lost so in the previous sloka Krishna explained that this knowledge Avyayam Avyayam means imperishable but in the very next words in the second verse, Krishna is saying, Yogo Parantapa. Now, it may seem very contradictory. You may think that what is this? In the previous Loka he said it is imperishable. But right now, again, in the very next verse, is saying, Yogo nasta Parantapa, that this knowledge was lost. So, actually, it is not that this knowledge was lost, but the intent of this knowledge was lost. See, the message of this knowledge was lost. So, that is the problem so and how the intent and the uh, the message of the vita or the message of the vedic knowledge was lost it's because of sakale nehamata it's because of the effect of the time the force of the time now very interesting point here is evam parampara praptam parampara parampara means disciples succession in the disciplic succession is how we are supposed to receive this Vedic knowledge. This is the standard way of accepting knowledge. That's why in the previous one of the uh, session I had mentioned about the importance of Shabda Pramana. Shabda Pramana means hearing it from the authorities, receiving knowledge from the authorities, authorities in the Vedic scriptures, in the Vedic knowledge. So we have to receive this knowledge in a disciplic succession. Why it is to be received in the disciplic succession. Very important. Now just imagine all of you. There is a mango tree. And there is a very nice ripe mango. On the top branch of the mango tree. Now the topmost branch has a very ripe mango. And now imagine if the mango directly falls onto the ground, what will happen to the mango? You know, the mango since it's ripe, it will break and it will get mixed with the dust. Will you be able to relish the mango? No, you'll not be able to relish the mango completely because it's all dirt now. It's all filled with the mud and all those things. But imagine if the same mango is nicely plucked. And then from one branch to another branch is passed on from one person to another person. And then finally somebody offers it to you. Then you can taste the mango as it is. Without any adulteration or without any mixture with the dust and all those things. Right? So that's the important. So when it is nicely passed on from branch to branch, you will receive the mango as it is. So similarly, just like the mango, this Bhagavad Gita is actually a ripened mango. This knowledge is a ripened mango of the Vedas. And when it is coming in a parampara from one acharya to another acharya, and then finally you receive this knowledge, then you will get it as it is. But if you receive this knowledge from someone else who is not in the parampara, then it's very dangerous then you will not actually get the right message of the bhagavad gita you will still see oh it's bhagavad gita but when you hear it from a person a wrong person who is not an acharya then there is a problem you will not be able to get the right understanding just like the milk if for milk is milk is pure but if milk is tasted by a snake it will still look like a milk but If you drink that milk, which is tasted by a snake, you will die. So similarly, the Bhagavad Gita is very pure like milk. But if it is coming out from the mouth of a person who is not in the parampara, then there are so many misconceptions that will come about. And there are people today who are so confused about the Bhagavad Gita. It's because there is nobody who is giving them the right knowledge. Nobody or most of them what from where they listen The sources from whom they listen is improper and they are not coming in the parampara. Now you may think Prabhuji, what are the parampara? I mean, where do we find this parampara? So now, there are actually four authorized parampara. You see, there is, if at all you want to receive this knowledge, there is Brahma Sampradaya, there is Sri Sampradaya. There is Kumara Sampradaya, and there is Rudra Sampradaya. So, Brahma Sampradaya is actually headed by Brahma. Then there is Shri Sampradaya. Shri is actually Lakshmi Devi. So, she is heading this parampara. Uh, Parampara that was started by Lakshmi Devi herself, Shri Sampradaya. If you go to South India, you will see all the big temples managed by the Shri Vaishnavas. Who have this big, big white tilak and the center right, you know, they put the stick. So, big killings they have, the Sri Vaishnavas. So, that is Sri Sampradaya. Then Kumara Sampradaya. The four sons of uh, Brahma, the Kumaras, they also started a parampara that's called the Kumara Sampradaya. And we also have Rudra Sampradaya starting from uh, Rudra, that is Shiva, who is actually the greatest of the Vaishnavas. Vaishnava naam hi yata shambahu. The greatest Vaishnava is the Vaishnava, that is Shiva. So that is Rudra Sampradaya. Now, if you want to understand knowledge of the Vedas or the Bhagavad Gita, you are supposed to receive knowledge in a parampara. It's not that we read it ourselves and then I understand it by myself and I will become an Acharya. It's not like Just like if you have finished your 12th standard, right? If uh, anybody gets, uh, uh, you know, he completes his pre university you know, the next thing is, he wants to go for a graduation, then he wants to either take it MBBS or engineering or whatever he wants. So, it's not that, okay, now I have finished my pre university I have finished my 12th, I will take the textbooks of uh, engineering and I will read my, myself and I will become an engineer. No, you will not do like that. In fact, even if you do that, you may be quite intelligent, competent, but you will not be authorized as an engineer. You will not be authorized as a doctor. You need to do a lot of research. Actually, many people do research before they join a particular college. Oh, this is the college that I want. This is how I want the students to be there. There are so many parameters that you look into and then after getting all the variables properly, understanding the variables properly, then you go and take up a particular college, right? So similarly, we also need to have a parampara system because when you get this knowledge from the parampara, you will be authorized. What you speak will be authorised. It is not concocted. It is You are not going to re, misrepresent the Bhagavad Gita and the Shastra. Right? So that's why this is called as the GPS system. The Guru Parampara system. You know, just like we have the Guru Parampara, the GPS, while you are going from one place to another place, you know, if you want to reach a particular destination, you have the Google lady constantly speaking, right? Take left, take right. In you take a wrong route then she'll again say no you have to reroute, and I'm recalculating and then after recalculation again she will give you the proper direction you know that's how you keep going through the help of the GPS lady you reach the destination if from one destination to another destination if you need the GPS lady then just imagine you want to go from the material world to the spiritual world which is the ultimate destination don't you think that you need an Acharya Yes, we all need an Acharya, right? And especially when we are going to such a, it's a long path. But you, if you want to go, then you need a proper direction. And many times it so happens that uh, we are going in a route. We are all studying Bhagavad Gita. We want to reach that destination, spiritual world. But then you may actually get deviated. There are so many disturbances, family problems, relationship problem, work problem. So many mental problem, intellectual problem. Problems will come and can deviate you. So that's why when you actually get deviated, you need a guru who can tell you that, okay, now you please reroute and recalculate all those problems. And then you again come back on track and then start moving forward. So we need a guru parampara to understand this. Without the GPS system, you cannot reach the destination. But then there are so many people today who are all writing commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita and there are about more than 800-900 commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita, can you understand? This? Any uh, Tom, Dick and Harry is writing commentary on the Bhagavad Gita and become famous and they are writing oh it's my Gita and one of such a uh, crazy person is that uh, you know that Devlet Patnaik although I should not mention but then it is so uh, disturbing to read the translations of. Uh, his uh, Bhagavad Gita and other scriptures. He will take Ramayana, he will write it, Sita. He will tell Jaya on Mahabharata. And such vulgar language that he uses to represent our own culture and people, especially youngsters, they are falling prey to such writers. I mean, it's such a crazy thing. You know, we as Vaishnavas, as devotees, should not tolerate such things. So people are reading all this uh, dirt, garbage from such authors. And they are getting big positions in some corporates to direct and all such things. And people are listening from them. Just see. So many misleaders are there. And there are so many great people. They may be great in their own terms. But they have written commentaries of the Bhagavad Gita. And they say that Bhagavad Gita is a book of ahimsa. It's a book of non-violence. Now, here, that's not the ultimate message of the Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita is not the ultimate... The message of the Bhagavad Gita is not non-violence. Although Ahimsa is a great quality that Krishna is going to explain in one of the chapters. He is saying that is the quality of a devotee, of a Brahmana. A Brahmana is by nature very non-violent. And we need to adopt that particular uh, quality in us. But that's not the ultimate message of the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna is here saying, you please fight Arjuna, you have to fight. Now, if this is one extreme, the another extreme of understanding Bhagavad Gita is there are people who say that, yes, we need to fight. We need to go and fight with this uh, Pakistanis and Chinese and finish them and defeat them and take their property. And such people are also there who tell that, oh, those who do not follow Bhagavad Gita, they don't fight. But if you are following Bhagavad Gita, you should actually invade China and Pakistan and kill them. Such extreme understanding is also there. No, now Bhagavad Gita is not going to that extreme that it's not propagating violence also. So, Bhagavad Gita is speaking about the topmost dharma. And that essence of the Bhagavad Gita can be understood only when you receive this knowledge in a parampara. The intent of the Bhagavad Gita can be understood only when it is received in a proper parampara. That's why we need this GPS system, the Guru Parampara system, extremely important. And now you must be wondering, Prabhuji, you are speaking about all this. What about this con? You are speaking about Bhagavad Gita. Do you belong to any parampara? Absolutely. So now, if you actually take the Bhagavad Gita and the last page of the Bhagavad Gita introduction, Prabhupada has given the Guru Parampara system, the complete Guru Parampara. List of the, all the Acharyas in the uh, lineage. So, ISKCON, the International Society of Krishna Consciousness, which is founded by Prabhupada, is actually coming in the Brahma, Madhva, Daudiya Sampradaya. It is under the Brahma Sampradaya. And Brahma Sampradaya is what Madhvacharya also followed. And in the same lineage, the Guru Parampara of Madhvacharya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes. And we are, since Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is from West Bengal and that's the lineage uh, coming, Prabhupada is coming in that uh, lineage of uh, Gaudiya because Gaudadesha, it's called, Bengal is called Gaudadesha. So because it is coming from uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we call this as Dhamma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. So this knowledge of the Bhagavad Gita should be understood properly in this GPS system, Guru Parampara system and that's exactly why... Prabhupada, he actually wrote this Bhagavad Gita as Bhagavad Gita as it is or Bhagavad Gita Yatarupa. He said that this Bhagavad Gita is actually representing the correct intent of Krishna. Now, it's an amazing thing. Never in the history of India, never in the history of spirituality, you will ever see... Any Bhagavad Gita which has transformed so many millions of lives. This Bhagavad Gita as it is has actually made so many people attracted towards Krishna Consciousness. It has brought so many people close to Krishna. Now no doubt there are many great Acharyas who have written Bhagavad Gita like Shankaracharya, Acharya. There is Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur in our own Parampara. There are many great Acharyas who have written Commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita, all Vaishnava Acharya. but this Bhagavad Gita, yatarupa Rupa written by Prabhupada has actually created a revolution in the history of spirituality. Now, there are so many people, so many people who have taken up seriously the study of Bhagavad Gita because of Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita as it is. In fact, this Bhagavad Gita as it is, is referred or it is considered to be a standard textbook for religious studies in most of the universities, the Ivy League universities for religious studies. So it's not an ordinary thing. Now, we have come across such a great uh, person like Prabhupada who has given us this wonderful knowledge. This Bhagavad Gita is so popular because of the purity of Prabhupada. It's not ordinary. Day and night used to be constantly translating Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam, sleeping just for two hours in a day. Night used to wake up and translate all these books for all of us so that we can benefit. And constantly he was meeting people, meetings of the meetings, guiding the disciples, writing letters. I mean, he has written 10,000 letters. Can you imagine in 60s and 70s when there was no internet and emails? Imagine if there were emails, by then, Prabhupada would have really bombarded, he would have captured the world. There was no Instagram, no Facebook. He used to personally write letters and then send it across through mail to different parts of the world and guiding his disciples. So, so much of sacrifice is gone to build this whole movement. It's not ordinary. So, there is uh, so much that uh, Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita has done. I just remembered one I want to share with all of you. That once, uh, you know, this Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavad Gita as it is. Uh, we generally, during December, we do book distribution. You know, devotees, they go out on the streets and they distribute books, a lot of books to people. And you must have seen sometimes in the railway stations, uh, in the... Uh, BT station or maybe um, in the you know, Chembur and all those uh, in um, local trains, you'll see devotees actually uh, giving out his Bhagavad Gita and many Prabhupada books. So, there was this one uh, couple who also had their daughter and as a team, they were actually distributing uh, books and uh, it so happened that they also were visiting uh, the motels in uh, UK and uh, they used to give these books, uh, especially Bhagavad Gita to the mortals because in the mortals, you know, there is a culture. Many mortals, they have church, you know, they have this Bible. So these devotees were thinking, why not also have the Bhagavad Gita? And they used to get big orders also because about say about 30, 40 rooms and they used to at once give 30, 40 Bhagavad Gita. So once they were trying to meet uh, a particular manager of a hotel, I think it was Ramada Inn in uh, London, I guess. And uh, they were trying to talk to this manager, and the, was, assist, the assistant was quite happy to meet the, and talk to the devotees, this uh, couple and the daughter. But the manager, somehow, you know, he was not uh, very keen on this. But then one fine day, the manager himself, he calls this. Uh, A couple and uh, the daughter and they he he says that I have something very important to share. Why don't you get all the Bhagavad Gita copies uh, to my hotel and let's meet. So, they were quite excited and they started taking uh, whatever number of books uh, they could have and they went to this uh, hotel for a meeting and this manager who was actually not very uh, keen, he told them that one fine day this Bhagavad Gita, one of the copy was kept on the reception desk and uh, one very uh, disturbed customer, a very annoyed uh, customer, you know, in a uh, hurry, he just took the key and along with the key, he took this Bhagavad Gita and he went into the room and then the next morning, this very disturbed customer, he comes down with the Bhagavad Gita and he says that, uh, can I know more about this book? Where can I get this? And so many things he asked, started asking. And then uh, the manager said, yeah, yes, I can help you. But what happened? Then this disturbed customer, he says that actually I came to this hotel because I wanted to commit suicide. But after reading this book, I changed my mind. Otherwise, last night I would actually hang, hung myself and I would have died. So, there are many, 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 many such instances where this Bhagavad Gita has changed people's lives. There are so many things so many such pastimes that have happened, I can share. So it's very powerful, very interesting, and we should never give up on Bhagavad Gita. It's very, very important. So here let's understand. So Krishna is saying, Evam Param Imam So Rajar Shayo, Raja Rishi. So what is this Rajar Shayo, Raja Rishi? You see raja and rishi they both are very opposite in nature raja is the one who takes care of the external world you know most of the times he deals with the external world his affairs are everything to do with the external world and rishi is someone who always deals with the inner world he is focusing only on the internal affairs of the system the mind body and the uh, intelligence, right? So, Rishi is one who is focused inwards and Raja is someone who is focused outward. So, here, Krishna is saying Rajar So, there are a certain category of people who are called the Rajas and the Rishis. Rajarishis. These are the people who are expert in external affairs and internal affairs. They are called Raj Rishis. So they know Atma Jnana, they know vivhari gnana. both gnana is there with them and that's why such expert people are called Raj Rishis. we hardly find Raj Rishis today, they have become extinct, this Raj Rishi, this species is actually extinct now, it's very difficult to get a person who is actually a Raj Rishi, right? So, here he is saying, So, because of the effect of time, uh, the intent of this knowledge will be lost. And that's what has happened that I need to reintroduce this knowledge. So, because of the effect of time, the misinterpretations have come. And misinterpretation of the Bhagavad Gita is the greatest offense. It's a very great offense. We should never tolerate this offense. Like I told you earlier, there are so many misinterpretations that have come up. You know, there are people who have written commentaries in the Bhagavad Gita. Most of the commentaries, uh, many commentaries, I should say, were written in the jail by all the freedom fighters. Now, they had nothing to do in the jail. So, they had this Bhagavad Gita and reading the Bhagavad Gita, they started writing their own commentaries. Now, there are some freedom fighters who also have written uh, the commentary saying that, oh, yes, actually, Adharma is the British rule. The British rule is Adharma and Indian National Congress is actually Krishna. And this Krishna is going to now destroy this Adharma called the British rule from India. You know, such commentaries are there. Now, you know what is the situation of Indian National Congress today. <laughs> so, many such commentaries were written in the jail and they are all great people. But when it comes to Bhagavad Gita, we cannot take it from anyone. You cannot understand Bhagavad Gita from uh, somebody who is a politician, somebody who is uh, not a devotee, somebody who doesn't understand what is Krishna's tatva. So, we have to be extremely careful. We cannot uh, goof up with this. So, understanding knowledge in the parampara is extremely important. So, uh, just to give you an example now. If there is a person, you know, I have gone to a particular place. And I am speaking in English. And uh, the people there, if, you know, they don't understand English. I want to speak Bhagavad Gita, but the people don't understand English, but I have a translator. Now this translator, he knows English and he knows the local language also. So now he can actually help me to translate. So I will speak in English, but the translator's job is to actually convey the same message as I'm speaking. And the people are able to understand my speech based on the translation of that person. Now imagine if the translator he hears something from me, but he actually screws up the whole translation and he starts giving his own class instead of speaking what I spoke. If he starts speaking everything that comes to his mind, it is complete misrepresentation of what I have spoken, the knowledge that I am sharing. It's a great disservice that that person is doing, right? And now people are thinking, and oh, it's very nice. They are clapping. And I'm also thinking that, oh, yes, people are understanding and they're clapping. But the message gone is completely, completely faulty. Dangerous, right? But now imagine in the audience, if there is a person who understands English and then he gets up and he says, no, 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 it translated. You're speaking something wrong. It's not correct. But then the moment he says that the other people who are listening in the audience, the audience will say, you please shut down, you please shut up because You don't have to uh, discourage. You have to have the right uh, to be quiet and just listen. You don't disturb us. You see, all such things will come. So we need to be extremely careful about uh, whom, from whom we take this particular knowledge. We need to have a right translator. So if we can have anybody who is coming in the Guru Parampara Following this parampara system, then the translation is effective and you know, we have seen, we have a first-hand experience about this. This Bhagavad Gita as it is has changed so many lives and still continuing to change so many lives. Right? So, let us not uh, get into all this uh, other text of Bhagavad Gita. Uh, One (laughs) British scholar, I just remembered, there was this British scholar who... uh, started reading Bhagavad Gita and uh, he was going through translations after translations after translations and about uh, 900 uh, translations about Bhagavad Gita he read and finally you know what this British scholar wrote. He said that Bhagavad Gita is such a profound book that its conclusion is inconclusive. Can you imagine the conclusion of the Bhagavad Gita is conclusive because he read so many translations he got confused but he said that it is very profound that you can just interpret the way you want it's not like that Bhagavad Gita has a very uh, specific defining uh, message and that message can be understood only when we fall into the category of Arjuna and let's see what is that category. So I request uh, uh, Hina Mataji to unmute and uh, Please uh, repeat this shloka Let's chant this third shloka and let's see what Krishna is going to speak Yes, uh, Mataji is it uh, visible to you?
2: Yes, yes, George.
0: Great, so what's number three chapter four? सेवायम mayatidya.
2: Sayayam mayatidya.
0: Yoga prokta
2: Yoga prokta puratanaha.
0: me sakacheti. Rahasyam
2: Rahasyam he ate Uttamam.
0: Once again, Saevayam mayatidya Saevayam
2: mahatidya
0: Yoga prokta puratanaha
2: Yoga Yoga prokta puratanaha
0: Maktosi mepsaka jeti
2: bhakto si
0: rahasyam hi etaduttamam
2: Rahasyam hi etaduttam.
0: yes. Please read the translation, Mataji.
2: Yeah. That very ancient science of the relationship with the Supreme is today told by me to you because you are my devotee as well as my friend Therefore, you can understand the transcendental mystery of this science.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. So, very <clears throat> nice loka again. Here, we get a hint as to why Krishna is speaking this knowledge to Arjuna. Saevayam mayatetya yaprokhtap puratanaha. This Ancient knowledge, Puratana, this knowledge. Bhaktosi me sakha cheti. I am speaking this to you, Arjuna, because you are my bhakta, not just bhakta, you are my sakha. You are also my friend. Rahasya mieta uttamam. I'm sharing this rahasya, this secret knowledge. you of course it's an open secret Bhagavad Gita is not a closed secret so this knowledge I'm speaking to you because you are my Bhakta and you are my Sakha so this is the qualification if you want to understand Bhagavad Gita so we all have to become the Bhakta by practicing Bhakti Yoga we will all become Bhakta not just that at the same time we have to become Sakha very interesting actually you see Sanskrit is a very beautiful language here there are different expressions when we want to deal with people when you want to say something there are different degrees to which we want to express and that Opportunity is there in Sanskrit language. So your Sakha means a very intimate friend, a very close friend with whom you sit and you eat, you enjoy, you go and uh, probably watch a movie. Of course, Arjuna and Krishna are not going to go and watch a movie. But in Mahabharata, we get hints about how Arjuna and Krishna used to go for hunting in the forest. Together used to go and they used to enjoy hunting. So That's why they are called Sakha. A very intimate relationship they have. Right? So now, this uh, Sakha, if he is the intimate friend, the next another level of uh, friendship is also called as Mitra. You know, you must have heard this word Mitra. Mitra also means friend. Mitra means one who expands your limits. No Mita. Traayate iti Mita. Mitra. The one who actually expands your limits is called Mitra. So how many of you have a Mitra? Is there anyone? Do you have a friend who can actually expand your limits? In fact, we whether a husband or wife, we are supposed to be Mitra. We have to be a Mitra with our own children after a certain age and expand their limits a friend a mitra is supposed to expand the limits of another friend so that is why it's called mitra another is also uh, word for friend is surat surat so many times in the Bhagavad Gita Krishna is also going to say this word he's going to use this word surat surat means like the word itself you know well-wisher Prabhupada also anytime he signs up a letter he is to say that oh your eternal well-wisher your ever-well-wisher Prabhupada any letter he is to sign your ever-well-wisher A.C.
1: Bhaktivedanta Swami.
0: So Prabhupada is our dear uh, friend. He is a surat for all of us. He is a well-wisher for all of us. So you see here Krishna is giving the position to Arjuna as a Sakha, a very intimate friend. They used to eat together. They used to play together. And we know that Arjuna and Krishna. They are age also. There is no much difference. Both of them were contemporaries. And of of almost the same age. So that is why I am sharing this knowledge with you. Such an important thing. Now, actually, there is. We who are souls, very finite, and there is Supreme Lord who is infinite. We are Anu, His vibhu. Now you can imagine something as finite like us. If we want to get infinite knowledge, it is not possible because we are finite. A finite cannot accommodate everything that the infinite has. Infinite is really infinite in every sense. So we cannot accommodate everything within our capacity, but we can, the finite can understand the infinite only when the infinite reveals himself to the finite. So that's exactly what is happening. If you want to understand Bhagavad Gita, the infinite Lord, the limitless Lord, Krishna has to reveal himself to us who are limited in nature, in capacity. In capacity, in every sense, intellectual capacity, mental capacity, the infinite has to reveal to us. So, if you want to understand Bhagavad Gita, then chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra is must. Along with attending the sessions, reading Bhagavad Gita, we need to chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. That is the part of our sadhana. Every day. Without missing, we have to contact ourselves with Krishna. When you chant the Krishna Hare Krishna Mahamantra, you are actually vibrating Krishna's name, which is non-different. Your tongue is coming in contact with Krishna. Our whole existence is coming in contact with Krishna. So when we chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, it's actually coming in contact with Krishna. So when you are in contact with Krishna, you are actually telling Krishna that I am your Bhakta. And then you are also telling that, yes, I am also your friend. Then Krishna will say, all right, because you are my Bhakta and my friend, now I am going to reveal this knowledge to you. So now the secret is here. If you want to understand Bhagavad Gita, if you are planning to go to the spiritual world, then please chant Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Extremely important. Purity is the force. The more pure our heart becomes, the more Krishna is going to reveal. And these realizations are very unique. Very, very unique. And uh, you will hanker for more. Once you get the realization of chanting Hare Krishna Mantra, you want more. You just don't want to stop. So that's the effect that we are all looking for. And I hope that all of you are also looking for that. Right? So, just like last time I told you that, uh, what would you like to become in the spiritual world? And some of you said that, uh, like Achyutan said that he wants to become a tree. So, I had also asked about uh, others who wanted to become something else. Like, uh, I think Uma Kumar said something and I wanted to be the friend of Krishna in the spiritual world. By the way, we really don't know, but still... When we do this exercise of thinking about the spiritual world and just imagining that, yes, I can be something there. Itself is a very nice exercise. Just imagine, you know, you're thinking the thinking of being in the spiritual world with Krishna. What an amazing experience it is. Just the thought itself can increase our conviction. That's why I told you to think about it. So now I have the same question to all of you. What do you want to become in the spiritual world? Have you thought about it? Dev had said, no, actually, he had not thought about it. So have you thought about what you want to become in the spiritual world? So we understood why Krishna is revealing this? Because Arjuna is the Bhakta and the saga. And Krishna in the ninth chapter again will expand this thought as to why uh, this knowledge is called Rahasyam. Why it is Rajavidya, rajguhyam So Hina Mataji is saying a devotee. Mataji, in the spiritual world, we will be able to enter the spiritual world only when we become a devotee, no doubt about it. But the, everyone in the spiritual world is a devotee. But what you want to become, like a devotee also, you know, there is in the Bhagavatam we have Gajendra. Gajendra is an elephant, he is a devotee. So like that, what do you want to become? What about Uma Guma Dev, did you think I had given this homework for all of you? What do you want to become in the spiritual world? Although we are not very clear about it, but still you can think. There is nothing wrong in thinking. So Dev is saying, Prabhuji, I want to be <laughs> I want to become a gopi. So Dev wants to become a Gopi and you want to dance with Krishna. Oh my god.
2: <laughs> so,
0: there you better be careful, okay? Because you know, if I am a Gopa, then I'm going to tease you a lot there. <laughs> because I'll be in the party of Krishna and we are going to break all the milk pots and the butter pots that you're going to carry. So, I'm sure that you will be very much annoyed with me there in the spiritual world. <laughs> So, yeah, and Uma Kumar says that he wants to become a cow. Okay, good. Very nice. So, you want to become a Surabi. It's a very powerful position, you know, to be a cow. And there are unlimited cows in the spiritual world. In the spiritual world, um, uh, all the cows are surabi, which means they give unlimited milk. You know, here you go to a cow and you ask some milk, it will give you about uh, 2 liters. Uh, if it is a Karnataka breed, a Halikar breed, if you go to maybe... Gujarat and get some kir uh, uh, cow, then it may give you about uh, 7 to 8 liters. But here, in the spiritual world, we have surubi cows, which will give you unlimited milk. Anytime, 24 by 7, you know, it gives you milk. In fact, there is so much milk like, you know, even Krishna, when he was present on this material world in Vrindavan, of course, Vrindavan is not material, but there when Krishna was born, they used to play holy and play holy with not colors. But they used to play holy with the butter. So much milk was there. You know, throwing butter at each other. What a wonderful thing. And then when you put it on the mouth, you know, you just take it and lick it and you can enjoy and fill your belly also. What a wonderful game it is to play holy like that. So in the spiritual world, so Uma Kumar is going to assist Krishna in the form of a cow and he's going to give us a lot of milk and butter. Thank you so much, Uma. (laughs) We'll all be very healthy there. Thank you. Okay, what about Vinoji? Ji? Mataji also has not given any answers still. And also keep thinking about the questions. By the way, today's session, we have some uh, interesting things that we have discussed. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask. You can also unmute yourself. That will be really nice. Guruji. Yes, Kumar. How to learn Sanskrit language, Guruji? Is there any proper way to learn, like now, uh, other languages? Actually, there is uh, there is this uh, institution called uh, Sanskrit Bharati. You know, they have their centers across the uh, world. They have it in uh, Pune also, I'm sure. They have it in Bangalore Sanskrit Bharati. They have a systematic course for studying Sanskrit. And uh, although I'm not very great, I'm not an expert in Sanskrit. Uh, yesterday, just yesterday, uh, there was one uh, girl who called and she was saying that she has a question paper, Sanskrit question paper. Looks like she was a cool girl. And she's asking, Sir, can you please help me? Now, you know, I'm not an expert. I really cannot do so much. I can read some shlokas in the Bhagavad Gita and the Bhagavatam. I know Sanskrit, whatever Prabhupada has given in his books. But I'm not a pandita of Sanskrit. But you really don't have to understand and uh, uh, learn Sanskrit to know Bhagavad Gita and Bhagavatam. This I have mentioned to Hina Mataji also earlier when she had asked about this. If you want to understand Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavatam, Sanskrit is not a necessity. You can still understand Bhagavad Gita and Bhagavatam without Sanskrit. But if you know a little bit here and there, it's good, well and good. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupad as painstakingly has given translation to each and every word. So that itself is enough for us to know a little bit of sanskrit so because it takes time learning any language it takes time and especially sanskrit it is something that you can you should start learning from the childhood so i think uh, instead of you spending a lot of time you can invest the same energy and time in your children and they can learn because now they are quite young so this is a good time where you can teach your children sanskrit and learning Sanskrit will also increase your memory power, by the way. Because the Memories. moment you start chanting the shlokas, the verses, you know, your tongue gets twisted in every direction. Sanskrit is such a beautiful language. And it also helps you increasing your memory power. So, that is one thing that you can do. Okay, Guruji. Thank you, Guruji. Wonderful. And now, here, uh, <laughs> Vinod Chandanji is saying, I want to be Krishna's flute." <laughs> That position is already taken but I am sure Krishna will be merciful to make you a flute there and then you can be a flute. Oh wonderful. What nice. You know you will be in fact many times the Lakshmi Devi also and the gopis are quite uh, uh, jealous about the flute because the flute is constantly touching the lips of Krishna and the gopis don't like it. They say that how come this this flute is so fortunate. You know they are very jealous about this flute. So, Vinoji you are going to really annoy all the gopis there. <laughs> so, again, it's all very spiritual in the spiritual world. So, there is no such thing as envy. There is no such thing as uh, pride and jealousy there, because everyone is really happy to serve Krishna. That's the ultimate thing in the spiritual world. And, um, but good thought. I mean, you are thinking in this way that I am really happy that want to become a flute, you will be extremely close to Krishna. Always, you know, you see the images and pictures of Krishna. Krishna, when he goes to the forest, he takes this flute and he keeps it here in the belt. Krishna wears the belt and the flute is always hanging in the belt. You see some of the images of Krishna and you will see the flute here. And, uh, you know, after herding the cows in the evening, when they want to come back, so the cows used to all be scattered and then Krishna... He doesn't have a mobile phone. Krishna's mobile phone is his flute. He just presses all the different holes, which are just like pressing the buttons. The moment he presses those holes and nicely, very melodious music that he creates, all the different cows, the different uh, breeds of cows, they all start coming in groups. That's how Krishna calls all the cows by playing the flute. So, very nice. Very good thought Vinod <laughs> Wonderful. So you will assist Krishna in the forest there. Very nice. So Iena Mataji is saying, I'd like to be assistant to Radharani in cooking for Lord Krishna. So that's also very nice. So you know that Radharani never repeats any recipe. Every day, every time she cooks for Krishna, it's a new and new recipe. No recipe is repeated. That's how wonderful cook. Radharani is. Radharani never repeats any recipe for Krishna. Krishna is so fortunate to get a new and new and new, newer and newer recipes, items to eat. Wish we had some wives like this who could cook new and new items for all of us. Isn't it Vinodji? All those married guys here who are thinking about eating nice food. So Radharani is such a wonderful cook, you know, she cooks so nice delicious things every day and here Reena Mataji wants to be assistant to Radharani in cooking, specifically in cooking in the kitchen department and kitchen department is quite a big department, you know, so that's also very nice, it's a very uh, special uh, service that Radharani does uh, to Krishna and cooking and pleasing Krishna by cooking the food. And if you have to become an assistant of Radharani, uh, what a great service it is. What an amazing thing it is. So, that way it will be really pleasing. Actually, the most uh, relished uh, service is actually eating. And if you can please someone, especially devotees, you know, brahmanas. uh, You know, they say that uh, brahmanas are very pleased with uh, eating good food stuff. And uh, all the Gopas and the gopis and everyone will get the Prasadam. Prasadam service is the greatest service. And if you have to become an assistant of Radharani, you are serving all the Vaishnavas. All the Vaishnavas, all the friends and uh, relatives of uh, Krishna in the spiritual world. So that's a greatest service actually. So that's also great. So, you see, I was just doing this exercise, although we don't know uh, our constitutional position right now. But definitely we all have a constitutional, a spiritual position in the spiritual world. So, but this exercise was to at least start thinking that we are spiritual beings and we belong to the spiritual world. And by the mercy of Prabhupada, our constitutional position will also get revealed to us when we intensify our bhakti. So, so, become Bhakta and become the Saka of Krishna, and we will get this knowledge of the Bhagavad Gita. The secrets will be revealed. Right now, uh, the Rahasya, the constitutional position of whether we are a flute, whether we are a tree, whether we are a cow, whether we are a gopa or a gopi, it's not known to us. But this secret will be revealed to us if we intensify our bhakti. And in this very lifetime, Prabhupada will reveal. So, this is what I wanted to share today. We have covered uh, the three, the very first three verses of Chapter 4, Transcendental Knowledge and after listening to this, now, Arjuna is going to ask a question because Arjuna is now thinking, hey Krishna, you are telling that you have spoken this to Sun God. How is it possible? You know, you and I, we are contemporaries. How is it possible that you could have spoken this knowledge to Sun God? So this is the question that Arjuna is going to ask, and let's understand all this and more in the next session. But before I let you all go, okay, Vinoji is saying that I told her to start practicing. (laughs) So that's good, (laughs) Vinoji. She better start now. And start feeding all of you at home nice wonderful dishes so that she gets used to it and then she can assist Radharani better in the spiritual world. And we all can enjoy all the nice foodstuffs there. (laughs) So, yes, Mataji, that's a good thing that you can do. You can start practicing it right away. So, that will be a great service. Yes. So, there are many more beautiful things that are going to come in chapter 4. In fact, uh, some of the very famous uh, and uh, popular verses of Bhagavad Gita are in chapter 4. Like, you know, you see any TV serial, especially Mahabharata, we chant this sloka called Yada Bhavati Bharata. This verse is going to come in uh, chapter 4. This particular verse is going to come in chapter 4. And then verse again 34, where it is said that uh, we have to approach a bona fide spiritual master, that Tadviri Pranipatena Sevaya. So all these very prominent and very interesting shlokas are going to come in chapter 4. So all of you, please say stay tuned, and we are going to continue this discussion next Sunday again. So all of you, thank you so much for joining. Shared on YouTube as well as on StreamYard. Thank you for joining. And if you have not already heard uh, the previous sessions, you can hear it on YouTube and also share with everyone else uh, so that they can also listen to the session. And especially those uh, who have not heard the previous sessions, they can at least from Chapter 4, since it's the beginning of Chapter 4, they can also start listening to it uh, from now. So that will be really nice. So, please take care and
1: we will see you again next Sunday. Until then, take care. Hare Krishna. So please take care. Until then, we'll see you again next Sunday. Hare Krishna.